You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello and welcome to the Pixels Inning Podcast, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Brennan Fry, replacing uh, Lisa Muir today due to her not being in the office, but we are still joined by a colorful coupe of characters. We have Jordan Biotti. Hello, hello. And the irreverent Phil Brown. That's me. Hey, so irreverent. (laughs) Very irreverent. Waka waka and all that. Uh, the most irreverent person I know. Okay, mm-hmm. shall we jump into some game news? Because there's been a not as busy week as some weeks, but there's been some interesting things happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also still a little earlier than... Oh, that's right. We are recording this podcast earlier in the it's week. So we, if we are missing later in the week film uh, we'll film it. and movie news and uh, game news, uh, please forgive us. We'll try to make, make it up to you later. We'll, we'll just put it up on Twitter. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's all the same thing. So, first, the ESA has announced the date you can buy your tickets for E3 for the public. Hooray! It's going to be February 12th. What does everyone think about this? Uh, um, I mean, they all... I mean, we, we should probably talk about they, they will bring Jeff Keighley back for the kind of the shows that the public can kind of interact with. Yeah, Jeff Keighley is kind of like kind of, the public face of gaming, like yeah. gaming... Uh, like convention and show floor stuff mm. like i don't know and to be, he has earned that right to be yeah. honest he's done a lot of work for the industry so. absolutely i mean i think it's um it's more like it's it's definitely an interesting little experiment what they've been doing with mm-hmm. like actually making e3 open to the public like yeah. I th- you know it it was one of the or it was pretty much the biggest like press event um of the year which was pretty cool in its own little way, but I think because like gaming has evolved to such a huge thing now, like it really is kind of like rivaling an actual convention, like that people yeah. want to go to and want to be a part of. But it's not that is not what E three is built around. E three is a no, it is a trade not. show. Packs and those sort of things are gaming conventions. E3 is an industry trade show to show off the newest tech to press and investors. Oh, yeah, that's no. all it really exists for. I agree with you, but I I, I can't help but feel like that's what the, that's the whole point like of trying to open it up to the public is to kind of make it a little bit more like a convention. And that's not to say that it doesn't have like kind of convention-y stuff. Like the whole um, oh, yeah. show floor that Nintendo had last year for Breath of the Wild was like – that was some convention gold right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean the biggest thing is – they're doing this to make money because numerous big publishers are pulling out of actually having floor space. So yeah. companies like Bethesda, I think Bethesda, no, did Bethesda have something on site? Uh, I forget. Last year uh, but, Yeah. I wasn't sh- No, they had it all off site, I believe. Nintendo was, the only they, one I, or was one, of the, one of the ones that had the – because wasn't there that and that, yeah. that wasn't the, the Mafia 3 thing? Oh, yeah. They had something, yeah. The big like uh, – but- yeah, EA fully did it off-site, so it was an entire separate area that EA kind of controlled. Yeah. Microsoft had a lot off-site where they've kind of had the Galen Center and kind of were just there the entire week. I mean, it's weird to think uh, so, that uh, Nintendo yeah. had a big thing, too, because Nintendo was like the like one of the, the, the first company that kind of pioneered this whole just not showing up anymore and just doing it all like a digital right. event. Yeah. 
it it's interesting. I I don't know how the public reacted to E3 in relation to how the press did. I know the press were very kind of upset with it. A lot of the business people were upset with it. Yeah, because I, I think even like didn't really didn't Cody say it was like really crowded and kind of crummy to be there this year? It was. It was. <laughs> I. Uh, I think I told the story many times in the podcast where I had someone just like elbow me out of the way because they really wanted to play a game. Jesus, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, that was classy. <laughs> it's uh, it's not, it's not ideal, but you know, these these things need to make all the money. So, yeah, I yeah, it's it's a shame. I mean, like, I it's good for the fans, I guess, because it's been such a big event, and uh, it's also probably just you know a result of the people that run E3 recognizing that, you know, if they can light up Twitter and Instagram uh, with a few hundred thousand, uh, you know, fan, fans, they will get even more attention than they will from the journalists right. that are there. So, yeah. it's, you know, you're not wrong. it's like, you know, it, it's a, it's a bummer that it, it, you know, makes it less accessible, but I mean, this thing grew to the point where, it wasn't really what it once was anymore a while ago. So sadly, we just got to accept it. I mean, Comic-Con's barely about comic books anymore. E3 is uh, is a uh, Twitter convention. So, hey, you know, we'll just wait for the next good thing and uh, slowly <laughs> watch that get ruined, too. Mm. It's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting to see, though, because you have... Um, bleak. <laughs> many of the films... Just being honest, Jordan. Well, many of the big film events, like the TCA, well, that's more TV, though, uh, but they are very closed off. And it's interesting to see that they have never had any move to be open, but E3 has really kind of made it so that was their kind of source of money is kind of opening it up and actually kind of having people come in that mm-hmm. might not normally get there. I wonder if we will see it in other venues such as the TCAs or, or that sort of thing, kind of more industry film-based things, or if the film studios have a big enough control they don't ever need to worry about it. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I'm sure. I'm sure it will eventually go that way. I mean, like, even just you know, locally, you can see it too. Kind of thing. Like, I don't know. It's 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 when these things become very cynical, and uh, you know, I, I I noticed it with Fan Expo this year, how like just involved it is with just with just sing like simply just making money. I mean, the there was nothing on the floor at Fan Expo. Or not, I guess not this year, Fan Expo 2017. But the biggest, like, you know, I guess thing that was there was literally just an EB Games you could go into and buy stuff. Yeah, that was a little gross. And I was like, this, yeah. this, there's no more perfect visual representation of what, uh, what Fan Expo has become. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, again, with Fan Expo... Like it's it's there it, it's been commercialized for a long long time and oh, also yeah. like did you go through both floors Jason or just the big one? Uh, I went through both floors. Yeah, yeah. Because I felt like you know all the collectible kind of stuff that I looked for was pretty well still there. What was yeah. it that you specifically didn't see anymore? But there was well, like because there used to be like like actual big like um, like set pieces and stuff. Like I remember what like like years ago when um when uh I. F- believe it was uh, uncharted 3 was like getting released and they had like this huge crashed plane in the sand set up like as like a big prop piece like um 
trying to think like they had like a, I know for so 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 Jordan just to confirm your your uh, example of when it used to be pure was a giant advertisement. I'm not saying pure, but like <laughs> it was cool stuff to go. See. Like, I know they it's did, all they, a did, big... they, they did have uh, they had that it bus that you could go in and do a VR it experience. Oh, but there's always was, like yeah. VR haunted houses there in the horror section. I'm 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 there for the gaming stuff, and there was nothing right. there. <laughs> okay. I, okay, I, I saw a lot of stuff, <laughs> Thank you. so that's okay. I didn't see anything, and I walked around that place like three times. I was like, "This is." Hey, all I, all I know is right. I finally got my Switch at that EB thing, so I'm okay with it. Well, okay, that's that's fine. I'll accept. I got to play Mario Odyssey, and I got a cool pin for it. So, yeah, didn't you win the tournament? I as did well? win a tournament as well. Yes, well, the back, uh, 2017 uh, Pokemon tournament winner, right here. You're talking to him live on the right room. on. <laughs> And congratulations yet again. Thank you. But so the uh, so basically, your note to Fan Expo is: please have another crash plane from Uncharted next year. That would be appreciated. Yes, or like something. All right. Some okay. Kind of well, I mean, you got it's it's you know you made a point. They had a big Batmobile when the one of the Arkham games was coming out. Yeah, it's true. I remember yeah, that, that happened. That was cool. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Like, there was they just there used to be cool stuff. I don't know. Now it's not there anymore. Now it's just a giant ass EB games. Like if I wanted to go to EB Jordan. games, I'll go anywhere. <laughs> Jordan, yes. we all know you, you secretly love the EB games. Uh, you know, don't, don't I lie. used to love EB games. I don't want to go on trashing EB games right now, but it's it's just it's it's not it's not the store's fault. It's the people running it. But that's that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for for the record, I enjoyed Fan Expo quite a bit this year. And uh, <laughs> any any anything that and if Fan Expo wants to punish anyone involved in this podcast, uh, make sure that uh, at Ninja Jordan. Hey, is yeah, the underscore at Ninja, underscore Listen, sorry sorry underscore at Ninja Jordan. I'm fine uh, with that. Okay, okay. Nintendo invited me. Naughty, not fan expo. <laughs> Shall we move I on to the next story? Bread. <laughs> yes, please. Let's move on to the Subnautica Twitter mess that has kind of been going down in the last little while. Yeah. When are people going to so, learn? Do you want to jump into this one? Um. Yeah. So. Basically, uh, what was it? The guy uh, who did the sound design for Subnautica, um, what was his name? Simon something. I don't think it's ever kind of fully come out because he kind of locked his Twitter and just closed everything. Oh, yes. Well, just on his Twitter, at least. Um, Simon, Simon blank. Uh, oh, you can tell I did my research. Uh, <laughs> basically, went on Twitter with a bunch of, uh, you know, um, Somewhat transphobic and racist tweets, and a lot of people got really upset about it, and I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, weird how that happens. People get upset when you do something bad. Weird, eh? Oh yeah, like it's such a it's so stupid. Like how how long is it going to take before people realize that you can't just say things on Twitter, like in front of an audience, and they're gonna, and your people are just going to think, yeah, I can just say this, like horrible stuff and people will just be fine with it but more importantly it seems that um the studio had a little kind of kind of had a little issue because they were uh, what was it? one of the game designers was talking about how they um they could either add a woman to the game or make the game good and they chose to make the game good oh yeah see that's um you know okay like yeah see that that's not great like i i kind of think Okay, and I don't. I want to. I want to. I don't want to come off like a jerk here by saying this because I got to follow my train of thought. I kind of understand what he was trying to say because I. I kind of think that in a certain way, 
like as a lot of this um a lot like the push for stronger like female characters mm-hmm. in gaming was happening you kind of did see some like cynical indie uh developers just just throwing a female character into their game like just because so of course yeah i kind of understand like i guess the 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 essence of what he was trying to say like he'd rather make a good game than just put a girl in there for the sake of doing it uh but then again the way he said it does kind of make him sound like a jerk <laughs> yeah that's the biggest problem um I mean, there's a bit of meat to the story because they it kind of people have dug into what Twitter, what they've kind of said on Twitter, the sub accounts, numerous other things. People kind of talk amongst themselves, the things this uh, sound designer has said. But really, it comes down to the fact that you had someone that is not well media trained and does not understand the consequences of saying things on Twitter and how they could come back and bite you. And this game has kind of been a critical darling up to this point, and I, I really feel among some press, this will seriously hurt it. Oh yeah, it's absolutely going to hurt the game. Um, granted, you know, depending on how um, how loyal their fan base is, like they could, they might be able to bounce back. I mean, like you know, mm-hmm. PewDiePie and uh, Logan, Logan Paul did some really terrible stuff, and they we're fine i mean pewdiepie did a did a straight up racism and like did a racism he just did a racism (laughs) and yeah and he bounced back perfectly fine i mean he didn't get hurt well i mean that's that's tough to say because he doesn't i mean like let's play was where his bread and butter is and he can't and all the studios turn their back on him yeah he doesn't do it anymore He's still kind of making and he's now and disney severed ties with him i believe yeah disney severed ties with him his views are down he got hurt by that big time. Uh, like, what is the last thing you heard PewDiePie say other than him defending himself against other accusations or weighing in on other controversies? That's all he really does yeah. now. Uh, you know what? I I'll, I'll be hundred percent honest with you. I never fo- I never really followed PewDiePie like Neither from did the I. start, so mm-hmm. I can't really say. But all I know is, I mean, he's still sitting at sixty million subscribers. Man, he's. That is that's self perpetuating at this point. Yeah. I don't think when you're that big, you can ever really get rid of that for sure. Followers. But like, I mean, like, well, the, but, but the like the money's drying up. You don't see as many ads on his videos anymore. Yep. Uh, the yeah, like he he's basically just a YouTube commenter now, and the views are slowly yeah, going he, down. Like you can have he has sixty million subscribers, sure, but like the he, his view counts never top 10 million like and i'm no pootie pie yeah. fan either i just was checking because i was curious how this would play out and uh yeah like it, it's a he's a, a shadow of his former self yeah that's true i mean but like it, as long as he has like you know uh his own like brand and his own like sponsors he tech- he really doesn't need youtube like a lot of like the smarter youtubers don't and he's still pulling seven million views on videos so like I mean, that's all I'm saying. Like, it's really like he really didn't get hurt in a way that like. like I mean, he got hurt. That. It's just he didn't get hurt as significantly as other YouTubers yeah. would have gotten mm. hurt. Like, because he's such a huge person, the fact that he might have like dropped in subscribers, even if they are like 10% what they used to be, they're still in the millions. So, you know. Yeah. Like, like he's not getting 60 million views per video. I don't think he ever did. But, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. 
Well, uh, we, it's, it's, we, it's hurting. We us. got off track a little bit. The point, yes, my, we my did, point yes. was, is that I think, um, uh, who was it that uh, Subnautica? Uh, oh, Simon from Subnautica. No, uh, the uh, what was the, who was the what was the name of the company that Logan Paul? No, the company oh, uh, that, oh. <laughs> that made Subnautica. <laughs> um, oh, oh, we're, we're doing company? terrible today. Um, oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you, Lisa? I know she was the only thing holding this this uh, unknown world entertainment. Yeah, I th- I th- de- you know depending on on you know how many people actually like because that's the thing it's like if you like the game and not the person who like just helped like work on the game then he can he can be like let go from the company and someone new can come in and and you know mm. unknown entertainment un- or unknown worlds like they will probably do just fine. Hard to say. It is. Hard. It's still early to say, but yeah, I'm imagining someone's getting talked to by uh, and getting a little bit media trained. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but I mean, what are you gonna do? You can't stop these guys from having was. It wasn't on like, and it wasn't on the like the. It was on his no, own personal account, right? Like, it was his own personal account. Yeah. So yeah, like you can't stop these guys from where his avatar is a woman for some reason. Weird. <laughs> it's it's a weird thing. Yeah. Like, oh well. It's it is it just is okay. <laughs> moving on, Capcom Vancouver has let go of I believe thirty percent of the staff. Oof. Which and they are looking to reduce the scope of the new. Uh, yeah, because Dead Rising. Game. The Vancouver Studios is the one where they basically do Dread Rising. Yeah, yeah, did most of the work on Dead Rising. Um, I mean. I like that's a that's a tough one because I, I I don't know how much I can say like because the last few Dead Risings haven't really been like coming out to like Good. rave reviews yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to come right out and say it but. But I mean, I three think, was good. I think I like three. It was a good game. But argu- I think arguably you could say like any of the Dead Rising games haven't been like good. Like they're I I like Dead Rising one a lot because I think it's just kind of a, it's got a lot of novelty. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't, it's, a, it's one of those silly games. Oh, yeah, it's so silly. And I mean, and then it wasn't until later that I realized that Frank West was a journalist, and I was like, hey, I'm a journalist. <laughs> Maybe this could happen to me. You're basically Frank West. I, I've covered wars, you know. Oh, so dumb. <laughs> I know, it's so stupid, but like, it, it's, it was just so silly and fun. Um, so yeah, like I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Like maybe just the fact that Dead Rising hasn't really like the last few releases and then even though the spin-offs um haven't been doing so great that maybe that's like a result of cutting the studio that works almost exclusively on those games um i think it's more the fact that that game series has kind of run its course they're making a fifth game but if you look at elias blondo's um review of the fourth game we weren't very kind to it yeah so and i think a lot of people weren't either like it's mm. not it wasn't just us um I think the game's kind of run its course. That style of game yeah. really worked well on the um, Xbox 360. Moving forward, it just doesn't have the impact it used to. Well, let's, I, I think it's probably worth mentioning, too, that like that game kind of came out, I want to say, almost as like a showcase of what yeah. the the Xbox was capable of, right? Because it used to like advertise and tout how like mm-hmm. you know, oh, like a thousand zombies on screen at once. Like that was a really big deal back then. Nowadays, it's like, oh, yeah, a thousand, big deal. Like, um, and, and also, yeah. I think too, the zombie craze is really like over to like. Yeah, that's right. It's course. I don't understand how they that. What was that other that game they showed off last year? D three the the 
the what what remains or all that remains or some stupid zombie game and i'm pretty sure everyone in the office was like really zombies in this day and age Mm. yeah so i don't know maybe that has something to do with it i can't say for sure yeah i mean sure it's part of it it's just sort of you know it's just it's time all all game franchises burn themselves out eventually part four is normally around the time it happens really I don't know. Well, hopefully, man. everyone that got let go from that studio finds work. Um, Vancouver is a hustling, a bustling hotbed of development. But oh yeah, it's always yeah. a hard time. It's always hard losing your jobs. It, apparently, about fifty people were affected. So I hope they find a place in the development scene somewhere near or around Vancouver. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we want to do we want to touch on the DC universe uh, DC Young line of comic of? Uh, uh, I think we can comic. talk about it. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think children care about comic books anymore, but I wish them the best of luck. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, okay, this is the thing that uh, that makes maybe um, – I think it depends on how they gear it towards kids. Because um, have you guys have you guys read uh, – there's um, – uh, I believe it's uh, not – is it Yale Stewart? Um there's a, co- a web comic online that uh, yeah it's El Stewart um, and he does this uh, it's called uh, Justice League Eight and it's basically like he reimagines the entire Justice League and kind of the DC universe as like children in like kindergarten and it's really really well done um, so I think like if maybe if they kind of because based on like just some of the some of the like the promo art that I'm like looking at for this story too, like if they kind of take it in a direction where they want to actually make like some of the the heroes like younger and more like geared towards younger kids and like kind of bridge that world because like I think you know when superheroes and these characters kind of first came out they were like you know undoubtedly they were kind of like surrogate father figures to a lot of kids um and nowadays that it just it's it's just sort of the, like a totally different climate and it really is like you know who who cares about these these heroes especially when they keep trying to give them these broody dark like stories that younger kids can't really get into um so so making it a little bit more fun and a little bit more approachable in that sense i think might, it might work yeah i don't know I think Muppet Babies D- DC is gonna make is gonna bring kids back to comic books. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, either. Like I just I, never I, know, Phil. Yeah, like it's it's just one of those sad realities where like you know superheroes have never been more widely consumed, but comic books have never been less read. Like it's just the nature mm-hmm. of the beast. Like I can totally yeah. understand how you know if you're a, a like seven year old who already has their own iPad and cell phone, the idea of going to a comic book store and buying disposable piece of paper that has a 20 minute storyline about Batman isn't quite as appealing as it used to be. It's just sort of the nature of what it is. Like I can't even remember the last time I was in a comic book store and saw anyone even like under 20, never mind like yeah, a small child. It's just sort of, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of how it is now. And I mean, I'd be the same way. I mean, look like a, like when, when I was eight, I enjoyed comics because that was like the, a primary delivery system. I could get those characters outside of like after school cartoons these days, like, th- you know, a find a, a investigate any form of media for longer than five consecutive seconds and you'll find some superheroes. So I just, yeah, I, I, I just, 
you know, I would love it if kids got into comic books again, but I just don't see it happening. Like may, like perhaps if they find a way to uh, like get at them through apps, you know, and get, and get kids sort of reading comics digitally, maybe, but like I've heard stories recently of like, you know, two, three-year-old children being handed children's books and trying to pinch the page to zoom in on the image. So like, it's just, it's just where we're at. And, uh, I think that just, uh, I, I totally understand DC's thinking here and sure there may be a couple studious kids or maybe if they can work out sort of like school program to get like, you know, a children kid appropriate comics Mm -hmm. into kids hands, like through scholastic catalog or something like that. That might be possible, but other than that, I think that's just unfortunately a lost cause. What you just yeah. said there about the pinching the page thing, like I have never wanted to shake a cane at children more than right now. Like, no, oh my either. god, but, get off my lawn! Yeah, I mean, but anyways, we should we sh- we should mention the different imprints that DC is planning. We have Zoom, yeah. which will be their middle school age line, and we have Ink. Which would be geared to young adults, which isn't young adults basically what most comics are geared at anyway. That's so the I'm thing. Not really sure these how- days, no. That, these days, no. Like they're they're it's, really? it, unless you're talking about like Gem and the Holograms or something, or like mm-hmm. a you know the few remaining Donald Duck or Disney comics. Like there are all comics well, are geared at Archie? adults. All there's a well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of like spinoff comics too from a lot of these like newer cartoon shows. Like Adventure Time had a long line of comics. Um, but again, like Adventure Time, that's for teenagers and young adults. Yeah, that's, true. Uh, that's an Adult Swim series. No, it's not. It's, it's a um, straight up Cartoon, oh, cartoon Network. network. It, it ran. Yeah. It ran on the time slot just before adults. And that's why like, a, like in the later seasons, it did start getting a little bit like darker and more mature, but it still kind of kept a, like a, ch- a pretty child friendly. And the start, comic books are a lot. It um, a show that was more done in the style of a children's show than a show actually. No, no, it, it does. Kids. It really is like I safe. I mean, Jordan, I think the latest seasons have gotten away from being safe. Uh, they, Yes, there is no. some weird stuff. Oh in yeah, that, there, in that show. but there was weird stuff happening in like the third season too. Like it's still like there for every weird episode. Like they still have like four or five that are just like fun, silly little things that like even a kid can get into. Like it never veers off into like too dark that a kid's gonna like get upset by it kind of thing. Yeah, but that's the, there's a difference between that and the show being popular with children. Yeah, well, yes, <laughs> that show is. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Upon reading, like, okay. some, because I, I have read some of the comics, like, uh, myself, and they're they are a lot, like, more, like, geared towards kids, I think. Like, they don't go anywhere near okay. where the show goes. Right. Um, you know, My Little Pony, same thing. Long line of comics there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't I, know I who's... Mean, I'm, I'm probably maybe, guys like me reading them, but, I'm, you know, I'm sure they want kids to be reading them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Maybe... Maybe DC will do something with this. I right now I'm skeptical. Uh, maybe we'll be wrong and it'll do amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't think so though. But you yeah. know, it's a shame, man. Weirder things have happened. Gotta get those Sonic comics back in circulation. Those were awesome. Yeah, they don't need. They, they don't need to do that. They, oh, you can Sonic. The Sonic Universe comics were so good. Okay, Phil, do you have some film news? <laughs> moving from, I'm just ignoring that. Moving on. Sure, sure <laughs> do. Um, so I guess first up, it probably makes the most sense. 
uh, for us, dude. There were a couple uh, big trailers that came out uh, over the weekend due to the Super Bowl. Uh, there was uh, the Han Solo trailer. We finally got to see that. Yes. Yep. You guys see that? I did. Yeah, yeah. it was okay. Yeah, I, I, I felt remarkably unmoved by it. Um, yeah. Which is sort of like the concern I've had about it from the very beginning. I mean, you know, it's, it's still a Star Wars movie. There's always a chance that once I get my eyeballs on the whole thing, I'll be charmed again. But yeah, it just, it felt to me like the, it, you know, after we just got a Star Wars movie that was about like, you know, maybe we shouldn't focus so much on this nostalgia, Star Wars nostalgia thing anymore. Uh, we seem to be right back. Yeah, square one. yeah, yeah. And it was amazing just simply because like, I still remember the like, tingly like visceral emotional reaction to the first time i saw the millennium falcon again and the early force awakens trailers and now the millennium falcon's like knocking tie fighters around doing spin moves and i'm like yeah okay fine it's uh yeah it's uh it's a shame i like i'm sure it'll be fine but that's the problem is that we're getting to the point now where it's like star wars is going to become like james bond where you just sort of yeah. assume that they're not all going to be good and you take the you take the coin of the coin toss and see what happens and uh yeah it's too bad um especially because like there was all this discussion of tone and that's why phil lord and chris miller got booted and now that i see it's kind of a like wise cracky shadowy uh star wars story again i can't help but feel like if the if they'd actually allowed uh chris miller and phil lord to make a movie like this that was a little self-aware and kind of silly that probably would have gotten me more excited because at least that would have been something different out of the star yeah. wars universe so yeah and i, I can't help but feel like you, you definitely want that for something like han solo because han yeah. solo was always like you know like the the rogue the jokester the kind of the wise kraken uh like doesn't care about no one character like you don't want to you know just make him like like the coolest guy in the room like you want to have fun with them yeah so yeah i just and, and just in general it would you know it's the first time there's ever been a new star wars trailer and the reaction's just been kind of muted and yeah. like yeah okay and i mean that was inevitable there was nothing else that was that could possibly have happened but um i yeah. i'm really starting to think that uh especially like just minutes before we started recording the podcast, I noticed that in addition to the Star Wars trilogy that Ryan Johnson has been handed, now the creators of Game of Thrones are doing their own Star Wars trilogy. I just think Disney really needs to... Re- okay. I think they just really need to rethink this whole we have to have a Star Wars movie every single year thing um, because yeah. the burnout's already in effect and it's going to get worse before it gets better. So, um, Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I mean, but, but, I mean but that being said, uh, Donald Glover did look great as Lando, so I'll be fine. Yep. yep. Um, yep. And uh, yeah. Anyway, just <laughs> sad that like after after like literally uh, a decade of me being over Star Wars, and then I got back into it again, and I already feel it slipping out of my soul, and it's. I guess I'm getting old. It's sad. Yeah. Um, now, Phil, what do you now watching that trailer? Do you think there's any um, truth to the rumors that um, Disney was advising uh, investors that this is not going to be one of their top grossing movies? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I'm sure they, they there's been there's been a big bullseye on this thing for ever since those directors got fired. So it doesn't surprise me. That's fair. And also, like, it's coming out in May. Like, it's yeah. not it's going to not even be six months since the Last Jedi. Like. 
mm-hmm. hold you like calm down people yeah it's a little too much this is ridiculous but uh hey even, you know, even rogue one waited like a good year before yeah yeah, I like oh, one a year is good. One in one t- every twelve months, I think is a fine yeah. span. A little too close for me, but I can understand it. Yeah, yeah. one every six months is maybe a bit. Yeah, much. which and and it part of it could just be a damage control situation. They may be aware that they're just gonna have to suck it up on this one, and by getting it out in May, that means it'll be like a full like year and a half before they wrap up the current trilogy. So yeah. maybe that'll help a little bit. But yeah, more than anything else, I was just like. I, w- I was just a little flabbergasted at how unenthused I and uh, I-, I felt about this one. And, and, uh, and then, yeah. you know, glancing at the very not alone. We really don't, we don't agree very often, but I, I got the same exact feeling. I watched it like the, the, like the night after the Super Bowl, and I was kind of, I kind of just got, yeah, I was like, really? That's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same way. Yeah. I mean, also, I, the character that plays Han Solo feels. Uh, not great. Yeah, not a not a great not a great choice. Yeah, I I thought, um, especially because like the movie he was hired off of was the last Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar, and his performance mm. in that it was very cartoonish, but it was very different than his actual personality, which is very bland. So I was hoping as a result of that, the reason they cast him is that he could do a really like dead ringer Harrison Ford, but apparently not. Apparently, there's none of that. So well, that thought can die. Um, all right. Uh, other, other ones, the one that I like sh- was shocked ended up being the one that excited me the most was the mission impossible trailer, mm-hmm. which, um, I enjoy the mission impossible movies. I felt a little burnt out by the last one, even though uh, a lot of people claimed it was possibly even the best, but I mean, the, the trailer for this, like, while the plot is as disposably generic as always, the action looks absolutely incredible. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, then I found out like, uh, the, the helicopter footage with Tom Cruise is actually real. Like, there's no CGI in this. That was part of their deal. Really? And he trained for four years to fi- figure out how to st- not just fly a helicopter, but do stunts with a helicopter. So they got to have a camera behind him in real space. And, uh, you know, I don't normally compliment Tom Cruise, but I got to applaud him on that. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty. That's that's yeah. that's a, a pretty incredible commitment to what's ultimately a fifth sequel. Uh, so, um, yeah, I have to admit that it just really excites me that, um, that it's, it's that, that someone is committing to doing a purely practical physical action movie for summer movie season. And I hope that, uh, that when, you know, we see the generic plot containing it, that that doesn't spoil things and, uh, that it does, it does well, because I would love to see more of this. Um, you know, the John Wick movies are amazing, but the John Wick movies are made for a fraction of what, you know, summer movies are. So it would be, it would be really, really nice to see that sort of artistry take off again. Um, so that was cool. Did you guys watch that one or just me? Uh, I I watched it. Attach it. Yeah. Unfortunately. I saw the solo and the um, Avengers trailer. Right. Yeah. I I, I saw it. It looked good. I'm just, I've long since stopped caring about the Mission Impossible sequels. Yeah, fair enough. The storylines make literally no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they can only be disavowed so many times if I'm like, okay, sure, why not? 
as that yeah. happens. Yeah, shouldn't this, this mission be possible, possible? Yet, like they've completed us several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's, it's like Bond <laughs> at this point. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of yeah, sure. go for the formula. It's American James yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that Avengers sure. trailer very underwhelmed by that. There was basically nothing yeah. we had seen before. Still incredibly excited about that movie, but it was disappointing they didn't do anything i'm starting to wonder well supposedly if from what i was reading online the whole like big thing about it is that like that thing that captain america had is like the wakandan like gauntlet like power gauntlet or something so he's got like something akin to an infinity gauntlet as well gotcha yay so that's cool my my guess (laughs) is with that infinity war movie that they're just gonna go out of their way to show as little footage as possible leading up to the big event yeah. It's fine by me. I feel like, you know, with, with a movie like that, like there's so many moving pieces that, you know, it, it's be hard to show anything that didn't give anything away. You know what I mean? So we're also just scenes that will like register in 30 we know, second uh, pieces as well. Yeah, because we definitely know that someone's or maybe like one or two people are biting the dust in this one. Yeah. So we don't no, they no. have to yeah they just have to so i agree yeah i think phil's right on that one like anything anything like too much and it's like you're you're just gonna put it together like on your own and it's just gonna ruin yeah, the yeah totally and then there is the jurassic world trailer and who cares next up uh, yeah, that's, uh exactly don't care yeah, what bit about cares? that movie um so at, at, you know like t-rexes and volcanoes like what more do you yeah, want well, I think the series yeah. needs to die. I I, read, I I loved the original Jurassic Park, yes. but I've long since stopped caring yeah, about that it, franchise. It, it looks like just a, a, a vomiting of CGI and bad dinosaur. Yeah, it, it, like with it, I um, I was I, I was like I did like that the tone is a little darker this time, and the and the dinosaurs will be even mm. remotely spooky in terms of how they're presented. But ultimately, like. That faded immediately. Well, well, it faded play. immediately as soon as you saw the characters and world that they've established. That is a giant cartoon. So, yeah. like, there's no way to actually take advantage of that. But anyway, like I said, who cares? All right, quick news <laughs> stories. Uh, first up, uh, uh, Jordan Peele uh, at uh, one of the events, uh, one of the Oscar events this year, said that he's uh, currently uh, weighing concepts to possibly do a get out sequel. So there's no hurry to do it, but he does have some ideas of where it could go. And, uh, provided that he feels he can make something that's as strong as the first one would make a sequel. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I feel like that, that opened up a, a, a really fascinating world and, and sure. Part of what's so frightening about it is that you know so little about it by the end, but, I think there's a, I think there's more ground to cover, especially now that like an audience has actually been established for that type of movie, which, you know, even a year ago, people were 50, 50 on whether or not that was going to work. So, um, so anyway, I kind of, yeah, I guess I kind of agree with that. I, I, I'm probably in the camp that like one was enough, like, you know, like he already, he already, he already did what he set out to do so well. Like I almost feel like a sequel might like ruin Mm -hmm. it, but but I don't think you're wrong that like he did like the the world like the and that like the almost like the franchise that he potentially started mm-hmm. here like is incredibly fascinating and there are like a lot of avenues to to take it for with. sure. And the good thing is as well, it could and be- the good thing is as well like uh, be, because of like 
the acclaim that it's gotten beyond just the commercial success, like the studio is not going to be stupid enough to just make one without him. Like it's only going to happen if he wants to do yeah. it. So uh, um, as long as it's artist driven, I'll always give it a shot. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, next up, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to produce and star in a TV Western where he'll play a legendary outlaw that a young deputy has been decided assigned to go into the wilderness and kill. And that sounds... And then they become the best of friends. That sounds friggin' fantastic to me. And I can't wait to see him play a cowboy. That's priceless. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of sad that he's... that. He, Stick him up, partner. Yeah, it's kind of sad that he's just already <laughs> given up on movies. That 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 apparently is over. Um, but uh, I go for this. I could watch him play, gri- and also I could watch him play some grizzled villains. That sounds like a good choice. Um, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Arnie's always got my money, man. He's just a good time. Oh, always. always. You can't. You can't. Even when he's terrible, he's just on on yeah, the ball. You can't go wrong with him. And finally. Um, since Jumanji uh, continues to make obscene sums of money, it's now up to 155, eight, sorry, $855 million and counting. Uh, Sony's decided of course. Well, people want reboots, obviously. That's what this is proof of. So oh, they're naturally. Currently, I, naturally currently in yeah. discussions to reboot Men in Black. Um, and uh, they're, uh, they're talking to uh, F. Gary Gray, who directed Straight Outta Compton and uh, Friday, and of course, The Fate and the Furious uh, to direct it. Uh, so, so it could be good. That could huh. be a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't feel good about this. Um, I, I, nope. uh, I, 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 I think there's a reason why the men in black sequels, uh, were so poor. And more importantly, I'm, I'm disappointed because for a long, long time, uh, there were negotiations, uh, that, uh, the 20, that, uh, the third 21 jump street movie was going to be about them becoming yes. men in black. And I thought that was great. And I would have watched the heck out of that. The problem with that is apparently oh, yeah. um, Will Smith at this point has it in his contract that no uh, Men in Black movie can happen without his involvement and some significant financial retribution. So I don't know if this reboot thing perhaps like uh, can change that. Like if like as long as they completely change the universe, then Will Smith is no longer affected by it. But uh but couldn't they just change the universe, then make the Twenty One Jump Street reboot? I don't. I, it was it, it was a financial concern because the thing is, like the Twenty One Jump Street movies, they're, they're not hundred million dollar movies, um, and the last couple Men in Black no. movies were like two hundred million dollar movies. So the plan was oh. they, they were thinking more along the lines of making like a sort of you know seventy five million dollar uh deliberately cheap and corny Men in Black movie, and uh, I just don't think that once they got into paying off what was required to pay will smith to make that happen that it seemed viable um and, and also that it was just sense. too creative enough of an idea probably but uh uh yeah, yeah it's a bummer yeah. i feel like if there was going to be another meta black movie that was the way to go and uh i just sincerely hope that uh that this doesn't end up being a vehicle for jaden smith oh let's hope not because yeah he he has yet Ooh, to prove yeah. himself Ooh. in anything so I don't doubt he. In fact, might I, I would that. argue he's he's proved that he can't do anything. I think that's what more pretty we've much at this point. Except except tweet. Yeah, everything he was he said a great Twitter bad. personality. I lamented the day oh, when he yes. left. <laughs> did he leave? I just remember every one of his tweets was just completely. Yeah, he eventually nonsense. just quit. Just, he decided that he did. He ever end up getting uh, his uh, ding dong chopped off? No, um, I don't know. He said he wanted to do that. He was going to be smooth like a Ken yeah. doll. Didn't want to have. Uh, 
parts. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Same, honest with you, Jordan. Right? I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Jaden Smith's ding dong, but uh, oh, dude, you don't know what you're missing. Well, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> now that I know how much time you spend thinking about it, I'm really glad we're not in the same room right now. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Some nice Jaden. Okay, Smith. that's good. <laughs> we can move on now. Okay. Uh, let's take let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back with um what we've been watching, what Yay. we've been playing. Yeah. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always five dollars short. Lame. Wait, five bucks short, you say? Well I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of coupons past. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next comic bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG, all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next comic bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next comic bento. A whole $5, eh? Now that's scary. The Pixels and Ink podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. And we're back! Thank you, sponsors, for those uh, engaging ad spots. Who are those Um, sponsors, Brendan? Well, those sponsors, uh, Jordan, I'm glad you asked, are Comic Bento and the Buns Podcast wait, wait, wait. Network. They keep the lights on around here. They do? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> Phil, I hear you've seen some I have, movies. I have. Want to jump well, the into first, them? Uh, I guess we may as well uh, talk about, since we can, we, we've both seen it, uh, is the... Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, this was... Um, a pretty brilliant release strategy because not uh, not like less than a week ago on the last podcast, we were talking yeah. about how uh, Paramount had just revealed or I shouldn't say Paramount, Bad Robot. It's unclear what Paramount's involvement is at this point, uh, had uh, finished shooting a fourth Cloverfield movie. And we were like, well, what's the deal with that? There's a third Cloverfield movie that no one's done anything with. So what's going on with this whole making a fourth Cloverfield movie? And then as it turns out. It was uh, their latest, uh, the latest Gonzo release strategy for this was they had a Super Bowl ad mm. that said after the Super Bowl, here's the, your, thir- your third Cloverfield movie. Uh, it was a genius concept. Right. Um, and uh, it, it was very fitting for J.J. Abrams because he, uh, back in his alias days, used to frequently do event alias episodes that aired immediately after the Super Bowl. So it was kind of a throwback mm-hmm. to that. Well, being a new Cloverfield movie. But yeah, then uh, actually saw the movie and uh, yeah, made a lot more sense uh, as to why uh, oh, yeah. that, that <laughs> had been delayed and been released this way. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a horrible movie. I think the big thing with it is that much like Cloverfield 2, it's very clear that uh, the plan with this Cloverfield franchise, at least thus far, has been they just kind of like uh keep an eye on uh sci-fi horror scripts that are sort of being passed around hollywood and ones that they like they then sort of shoehorn into the cloverfield universe um it did feel very awkward in 10 cloverfield lane if only because that one the like big third act twist was that it was a cloverfield movie which you knew when you sat down because of the title i feel like 
yeah. I feel like what yeah. the, I feel like there must have at some point been a plan with that one to just release well, was release it, it as unti- not titled as a Cloverfield movie and then have like a Well surprise. wasn't that the actual the plan? That's, I remember hearing that it was just supposed to be called like yeah. like 10 something lane yeah. like it wasn't actually supposed to be about Cloverfield until like the big surprise. I'm reveal. sure that was it and then ultimately Paramount just got cold feet cuz they're like well, the the whole reason we made this is cuz it's a sequel and we can sell it as a sequel. So I think they kind of unfortunately dropped the ball on that one. Uh this one very clearly feels like that. It is um just in very very simple terms about uh Earth that's going through a significant energy crisis and in order to solve the energy crisis some scientists have come up with a concept that involves something to do with a particle accelerator but it's that could create a limitless source of energy but it's so dangerous it can only be done in space so a bunch of astronauts go out in space to do it um and we learn through a kind of awkwardly inserted talking head shot that this is a really bad idea because if it went wrong it could open up parallel dimensions and possible possibly cause giant monsters to come through those parallel dimensions well, i mean those are very fair, specific Phil, terms. It, 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 they, they described the guy the talking hand described it as space or interdimensional that's demons that's, that's right. how he that's described right. it. which um yeah. admittedly that is a kind of a fun idea for how explaining where the club mm. monsters come from but it just feels very tacked on and then so it, it clearly felt like it was this separate kind of knockoff of uh alien and sunrise and event horizon where a bunch of scientists have an experiment goes wrong and as a result of that they they open up interdimensional porters that a takes them to alternate reality b uh, screws up the reality on the ship so that things just start going all waka waka crazy and uh it it's yeah like there are good ideas there they're great sequences in particular the i thought all the stuff with the uh severed arm was was very very effective uh there was some good body horror stuff the cast was far far better than the material deserved um i mean but but phil i mean there were like four really amazing mm -hmm. scenes and the rest was just science magic and nonsense it it was just they kind of what they they said the name of the movie about six times yeah, during yeah. the movie. It was very. Said, oh no, we reached a Cloverfield yeah, yeah. paradox, and it was like, oh no, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah. No one it was very very generic. It's a sh- It felt like they found a script with like four really great scenes, and they're like, okay, sweet, we'll rewrite this as a Cloverfield movie and fix all the problems. And they didn't really fix many of the problems. Um, I did yeah. think like on a technical level, it was well made. Um, and it. Um, some of the outdoor shots, you could see the CGI was yeah. a little cheap. Like when the um, the space station's kind of breaking up, you could see a little bit of weird, slightly not quite finished CGI on some of the uh, broken like little bits and pieces. But yeah, you know, I mean, I you know, I'm, wasn't I'm so bad. used to that now. Uh, even even like hundred million dollar movies have some like clearly unfinished effects in them. I just kind of you know, yeah. Uh, it, it yeah, I I so. Yeah, it's a shame. Like, it's it's definitely the worst Cloverfield movie. It's not a disaster. It's just not particularly special. I do think it um, at least managed to uh, come up for with an intriguing concept for what actually happened that unleashed these Cloverfield monsters that gives them potential. For but, be- for- the future, but now it's... But according to the timeline... A space station in the late, tw- uh, like like late twenty twenty range, somehow caused a dimension that opened a monster in early two thousands 
Yeah, New they York. said across space and time. They covered it. Okay. <laughs> sure. I'm not okay. saying it's not nonsense. Get all the ball, Brendan. I'm not saying it's not nonsense. I'm just saying, like, I mean, I, I see what they did, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> sure. But, uh... Also, yeah. uh, Phil, explain to me, because I, I, through the entire movie, and I watched it once, and I watched it a little bit, like, the beginning again to see yeah. if I was missing something. How do they get the superpower that they've built in space to Earth? Magic. Science magic. It's science magic. That's the only thing I can explain, because they don't ever say <laughs> yeah, how it, it, it gets there. They, just, a, they a make energy. Did it. <laughs> yeah, it's very unclear. A science magic. Okay. Very unclear. Did it. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it was definitely sloppy. I can see, I can see why uh, Paramount got cold feet, especially considering the fact that uh, around when it was going to come up, there was a another Alien Event Horizon knockoff at the same time. So cold exactly. Life. So I can see why this happened. This was a bold and smart strategy to get it out there. It was also a really great way for people to be really excited and then really disappointed in 24 hours and then move on. Uh, so that worked out great for everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I do think, yeah, well, 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 like clearly this is a bit of a letdown relative to the other two. Like none of the Cloverfield movies have been perfect. At least it's not a disaster. And that what, what it did what and what it added and, you know, finally uh, they actually added something to this ever expanding mystery, I think has potential. And uh, um, I haven't completely written off this franchise yet. I do think there's something to be said for the fact that this is like an anthology franchise and that, you know, it's going to be hit and miss by design, but I think that will actually help it last longer. Like, like for the fact that like when we finally saw the monster from the first Cloverfield in this one, like that's the first time we've actually seen it as clearly as we have. And it's three movies in. So I think they're doing smart yeah. stuff there. And uh, I'm intrigued to see what the fourth one is. I just really, really, really hope that whatever script they decided to Frankenstein into Cloverfield four suits it a little bit more because uh, it's been a bit of a problem so far. <laughs> No, I mean, Phil, I do think there were some really yeah. good scenes in this movie. I really think like a lot of the body, as you mentioned, the body horror, the arm. I even liked um, the guy from the yeah, IT crowds. Um, yeah, fantastic yeah. in that role. I just, the, the tone of the movie I felt was a little off because you had the stuff on Earth with uh, yeah, her very husband. Very tacked on. Very tacked on. And also it seemed like a completely yeah. different movie. Because he was just kind of doing his thing and, every, and you had only had about six or eight scenes yeah. total. So it seemed yeah, I think I'm sure and that the was stuff just the there because in the initial cut, when there was no, uh, I mean, we're going to get into spoiler territory now, but screw you. Uh, oh, no, there is, I, 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 I'm sure like in the initial cut, the plan was there were no giant monsters until that last shot. Mm-hmm. And imagine like in a movie that when they test screened it, they got a lot of big question marks from everyone that saw it. A big yeah. one was like, Hey, can we maybe see those giant monsters that we that we like about Cloverfield? And uh, right. that was probably like all reshot. Like, even that, um, even the prologue, uh, like it just all felt. I don't know. Like it's hard to say what stage that stuff was just kind of grappled onto a pre-existing screenplay. It may have been con- from the conception. It may have been something that they like slapped on it later to try and make ha- help the movie make at least some semblance of sense. But uh, I agree with you. Like it, 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 it was messy, um, and even more so than uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm, yeah, like it's, it's, yeah, I, I, I think, <laughs> but I mean, like, ultimately I think they handled the fact that they kind of dropped the ball on Cloverfield three really well. Cause yeah. even though that was like a really cool event to like, to, to release it that way, yeah. it also helped mean that, uh, it, yeah, like it, it got a moment and is gone very, very quickly. So, uh, I'm hoping, yeah. So I'm, I'm still intrigued by this franchise. I just, uh, yeah, there's no denying that was the weakest one. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I think you're right. I think there was some really good acting in this movie. I think the acting, the, the actors deserved a better mm-hmm. movie than this because there was some amazing talent mm-hmm. on set. Uh, I just, I question numerous the choices they made in the movie, but it's it's eh, it's about a fifty fifty movie. If you you watch it, it's free. If you have Netflix, why not? It kills an hour and a half. It's not gonna yeah. hurt you. It's just don't expect anything revelatory or that makes yeah. any sense. I mean, like I I thought it was a little bit better than you did, but um, I yeah, uh, yeah I, like I do th- I, mean, I do you, think you, it's good. Um, it's just a mess, and uh, and okay. and it's no surprise that. Uh, what happened to it happened to it. So you, you're more forgiving of the problem. I am. Yeah. It's simply because like when I was watching it and I'm sure it helped that because it was after the Super Bowl, it was late at night and I was tired. Um, I, I, I can't pretend I didn't have a good time. Uh, it was more like at the end when I was like, well, okay, but what? And then tried to backtrack through it when I was like, okay, and that was their problems here. <laughs> but uh, I, uh... my biggest, my biggest problem with it was that there was so such a limitless level of things yeah. could happen. It 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 didn't make it like you just killed off characters randomly. It was like a Final Destination movie where they just kind of like that character should probably die now, yeah. I guess. Which I yeah, know, which sure. I have to admit, while watching it, I kind of liked that element of it. And I did, and I did because right. it, it did, uh, yeah. Like, like, like you said, I, I did like the sort of reality's broken. There are no rules, and I thought they did some cool things with that. Like the, 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 the whole like, again, the whole arm sequence is fantastic. I really yeah. liked the, um, the freezing death as well. Oh yeah, that was that, that was, was neat. Really creatively put together. Yeah, it, it felt like a movie that was built around its set pieces, and uh, you know, when you're talking about like specifically horror movies that's not uncommon like i love the friday the 13th movies yeah. they're all technically horrible but uh oh, you yeah. know they as a set piece delivery system they work and i guess that's why i come on a more forgiving level down on this is that like these cloverfield movies while i really like the first two um even more than this one they are ultimately just b movies like there's no there are no oh, pretensions yeah. about them, except perhaps their uh, avant-garde release, <laughs> uh, you know, a release and advertising, yeah. which, you know, how really artistic is that is up for debate. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, is what it is. Could have been worse. Should have been better. Yeah. That's fair. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And you saw another movie that I everyone's did. kind of I excited for right Black now, right? Pan- Black Panther, which doesn't come out till uh, next week, but... Um, uh, uh disney's being uh a lot more open with getting the reviews out there uh because, yeah, simply it. because they know what they have is really really good and it is really really good uh i do think it's one of the uh it's, I, it's easily one of the best marvel movies probably the smartest um and uh i was really really pleased with that i have to admit um while 
I am uh, like a big superhero guy. Black Panther is not someone that I claim to have any expertise on. I certainly read some stuff growing up with familiar with the very basics of the character. So I can't really get into the nitty gritty as I have with other past, almost, you know, unreadably or unlistenably uh, nerdy nitpicky kind of reviews, digging into all the different things they did. Um, however, uh, it just taken as a movie. I think it's, I think it, it is undeniably really, really, really well done. Um, so okay. yeah. And brought it. What, one of the best things is that, by virtue of the fact that they introduced uh, Black Panther to the MCU in Civil War, it's not in any way burdened by crossover. Uh, there is there are some mm. characters who return, and really that just works for shorthand in terms of keeping narrative momentum going. It's not something that yeah um, yeah like that is in it is it's very much a movie that they allowed uh, Ryan Coogler to come in and design and put together himself, which is a really really nice sign because you know it was not that long ago that everyone was talking about how concerned they were about the fact that uh, there wasn't much directorial freedom allowed in the Marvel movie universe. I think this is proof that that's not the case. Um, so yeah, so. Uh, and, but is it burdened at all too by like, it, or I guess it's not burdened by, at all by like origin movie either because like they got all yeah, that they, stuff out of the way. And yeah, not really. They did what I've always really, really hoped they would do with superhero movies, which is they do a little like pre-title prologue where uh, it's where the sort of very, very basic origins of Wakanda and who Black Panther is and the legacy of the character is sort of done in a very quick kind of folklore style, um, which is really what they should be because, I mean, you know, no kid ever picked up a superhero comic uh, from issue one or these very, very few did. And what you do is you just get it and there would be a half page at the top of a first issue where they tell you who Spider-Man is and why he's Spider-Man. Yeah. And then you just dive in and go with it, which is how it should be. So that really helped. Um, but what's, but that being said, while it's not an origin movie, it is a big world building movie. And uh, they've really designed a very, very uh, beautiful, intricate and fascinating world in Wakanda. Like the entire uh, kingdom is sort of this hidden kingdom that only Wakandas can enter. And it's very beautifully done uh, and and uh, with advanced technology because they have all this vibranium that is a word that I hate speaking and writing because it's so ridiculous, but is obviously crucial within the <laughs> universe. I'll tell you yeah, yeah. Much. So, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can tell just how much time went into sort of creating this entire sort of faux, uh, like fake fictionalized African superpower. Um, and it, it's also like, that's a very tricky thing too, right? Like on the one hand, obviously this movie is going to get a lot of deserved attention for being uh, the first sort of gigantic tentpole uh, superhero blockbuster all hinged around a, uh, a, a black hero and, uh, and a almost entirely black cast. But at the same time, when you're not just setting a movie in Africa, but setting in a fictional and exaggerated, cartoonishly exaggerated version of Africa, that's very, very dangerous. So it really, yeah. it really, they were very, very smart to hire someone like Ryan Coogler, who then brought in a team of people who aren't just passionate about this character, but also passionate about, you know, their culture and, and representation. And they've done, they've created this really big, bold, colorful, intriguing space that feels, you know, uh, it feels as authentic as a movie with a like you know super dinosaur style uh, sized ra- uh, a rhinoceros can feel you know what I mean so that's all handled very well um, they're also 
uh, what's nice is in addition to, uh, you know, obviously uh, Chadwick Boseman's uh, King Black Panther, uh, the predominantly a lot of the other uh, warriors and powerful figures in the society are all women. And that's all handled in a very nice way that doesn't feel like it's it's preaching anything. It's just sort of matter of fact and there and uh, really expands some really interesting, powerful uh, warrior uh, like uh, warriors and also uh, Black Panther's equivalent of like James Bond's Q, who gives him all his gadgets and design is also uh, a woman with a sort of secret uh, connection to Black Panther uh, that uh, is, is handled very well and very clever, very smart. Um, the action is, is, is very, very strong in particular. There's a gigantic car chase, uh, through Seoul and South Korea that is absolutely, uh, incredible. Um, Ryan Coogler, um, if you've seen, uh, Fruitville Station or, uh, Creed, he's very into, uh, long Steadicam takes. And a lot of this car chase is done through very fluid mixtures of like practical photography and CG augmented, uh, flying camera moves that are very beautiful and very visceral. But the main thing that is really going to be striking uh, for a lot of people about the movie is that it has, if not the best villain of the MCU so far, then by far the best motivation for the villain. Uh, That's a character played by uh, Michael B. Jordan, who has previously starred in uh, in Ryan Coogler's other features. And I I remember at the time when it was announced that he was going to be in this, I was like, that's a shame they already cast Black Panther. Like this guy's these two have been working together for a long time. It must be kind of sad to be like, hey, um, you know how we've been like growing together? Well, I'm doing this gigantic movie and I got a little bit for you. You want to do that? Um, so (laughs) I kind of felt a little bit bad for that, but actually his character, um, you know, we can, we can say he, he's, uh, the villain of the movie that's sort of been revealed along with, uh, Andy Serkis's arms dealer who had been in a couple of the previous Marvel movies, who, by the way, is absolutely spectacular. He's just chewing up the scenery with his cartoonish villainy, villainy in this one. And is great, but yeah, Michael B. Jordan's villain is a, um, yeah, uh, I can say in in very very basic terms because uh, you you see that in like the opening scenes, uh, his uh, origin is in Oakland in the '90s, um, which is, was obviously a uh, very very uh, r- racially divisive place and time, and he grew up um, m- with specific motivations and has a master plan that what is really compelling because his th- the thought process behind what he's trying to do is actually kind of noble. It's just his execution of it could not be more psychotic. And I shouldn't really get into more than that, but I, it'll be something that people talk about. It'll be something that um, be beyond being and like amusing boom, boom, punch him up fun superhero time is actually like worth discussing. And um, I really applaud, uh, uh, you know, both obviously like Ryan uh, Cooler for conceptually coming up with this, but Marvel and Disney for getting behind it and uh, being able to make a bold uh, superhero movie that actually has some food for thought within it. Um, You know, they've done, you know, like Captain America Civil War uh, had some intriguing uh, notions to discuss about government surveillance and the fact that it came out 
you know, accidentally just weeks after the Edward Snowden situation was kind of made it very timely and interesting. And so this is another example of that. And uh, yeah, um, I think it's yeah one of the best things they've done. Um, of course, like it's not perfect. There are it it, it does drag on a little bit too long. Um, and uh, in establishing this amazing world, there are just so many characters uh, who you know need to be introduced and given their proper due on screen that 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 it can feel a little overstuffed. But uh, overall, I think uh, they've really done uh, uh, something special here and um, I'm really excited for it to uh, to come out and see how people respond to it because I think it's going to be a really big movie and something of a cultural uh, phenomenon as well so um, and this it hits cinemas next next week next Next Wednesday yeah okay yeah February 13th Um, or 14th or you know what? No, yeah. that's wrong. It's not coming out on Valentine's Day. That's ridiculous. Uh, it is. It is coming out <laughs> next Friday with that like the preview. All the preview screenings on Thursday. The usual. The usual razzmatazz. Sense. It uh, could come out from a Valentine's movie. It's possible. Yeah, I'm just checking that. Well, no, February 16th. Never mind everything I said. <laughs> no, okay, Valentine's Day belongs to Fifty Shades Freed. We all know this. Oh, and, and not even not even Disney <laughs> and the people behind Black Panther are going to try and step on that. Come on, I I still I'm cannot get over your enthusiasm for the Fifty Shades franchise. I can't wait, it's, I'm seeing it tomorrow, and you know I've been uh, like, I've been invested in this story for a long time. How genuine your voice is when you talk about I'm, these movies! Like it's just I can't wait. I truly can't. I mean, like there were so many questions <laughs> after the last one. And they only have they only have one movie to answer them all, and I don't know how they're going to do it. And you know, my heart is very intertwined with this, and you know, and I don't know what I'm going to do when it's on in my life. Because you know, look, when Twilight ended, that was tough, but at least I was like, yeah, but Fifty Shades is coming, so That's I had that to fall back on. Hope on when this horizon. is over, I got nothing. So it's really, really. You know, it's a difficult time, and I don't appreciate you making light of it, Jordan. Is basically what I'm getting at. I'm sorry. It's just, it's, I didn't expect <laughs> it of you. It's every day I find out something new about you, and I'm glad that we're at this stage in our friendship where you know I'm still finding out things about you. It's okay, Jordan. I'll let it go. <laughs> Jordan, you've been playing something, right? I have been playing something. Um, besides a ton of Kingdom Hearts. Um, I started playing uh, Dragon Quest Builders on the Nintendo Switch, which I do believe comes out tomorrow. Or not tomorrow. Um, I actually, I think it's uh, Friday, maybe? I'm just going to take a look. So anyway, um, while I'm definitely not Googling stuff. um, So yeah, like uh, it's basically the, the same game that came out on We've known and love yeah last year right yeah um it was ps vita and ps4 uh i believe yeah it didn't come out on the like xbox or any anything else like that i don't believe so um so yeah yes i uh so sorry it was uh it's this friday that it comes out okay. um so yeah same same exact game it's uh kind of like minecraft but set in the dragon quests uh set in an alternate reality after the first Dragon Quest game on the NES. After the Cloverfield Paradox happened, After the right? Cloverfield Paradox, yeah, it opened up a wormhole, and now it's an alternate reality where everything is kind of Minecraft. 
<laughs> and uh, it's just like it's. I mean, when I first started playing it, or when I first saw it, um, and I mentioned this in my review, which you can read uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, it like it it looked cynical to me at first because I was like, anytime I see a game that looks too much like Minecraft, I'm thinking, okay, these whoever made this is clearly just trying to cash in on Minecraft like 10 years after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. But I was really floored. And like, and uh, Cole, who reviewed it on PlayStation 4, kind of said the same thing. And I definitely echo his sentiments. Like, it really blew me away, like, how much there is to do in this game. Like, uh, you know, you start the game by you know getting into a little um like a little town area and you start building like little like stores and and buildings for people and you know it's it sort of plays into the narrative of the game that like these the people of the land have been you know scattered because of this like dark lord and not only have they just like kind of forgotten like what you know happiness is they've also forgotten how to build stuff so you the player are like the only builder in the world who like you know rallies them to start like building stuff and becoming a community again and you know so like as you sort of grow your town more and more little people start showing up and they like they'll give you quests to go out and and explore like the land and find like these little like find like dungeons and stuff like that and that plays into like how you unlock more stuff to build and make your town look a little bit more intricate and a little uh, a little bit better um and i played it for a while like i basically i uh i started playing it friday night and i basically didn't stop till like yesterday um and i like wasn't even close to ending the first chapter i think there's like uh like three or four chapters in it and like the more like as you like unlock stuff you'll start like unlocking like you know bigger town areas and more stuff to build so like it's just it's a, there's a lot to do and it you know it makes it's it's one of those really great games because it's kind of the same thing like when i bought minecraft on the switch like mm-hmm. i like the idea of having something creative that is that is like portable and i can take with me that you know and and granted i'm you know i'm kind of a i'm a technical i'm a technological whiz kid so you know it's aside from just having like a pad of paper and some pencils like you know anything that i can use that's that's technological like a like a little tablet or whatever that i can take with me and have a creative avenue to explore like that makes me really happy and i you know and i and i definitely see the value in it and I, i think like you know i think it offers a lot of potential too to like other creative kids like it's sort of the same thing of having like minecraft on on a switch right here you have this this great little portable console that you basically get to take uh like digital legos with you anywhere you need to go Mm -hmm. or if you're like on a you know you're going on a road trip like i remember what if i was a kid and i had something like minecraft on 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 some of like the three hour drives i went on like i would be i would be loving that um and I definitely, I definitely think that uh, like the Switch, because yeah, it came out on Vita. But let's face it, nobody owns a Vita, and nobody cares about <laughs> Vita. You know, Sony sure as heck didn't care about Vita, so why would anyone else? Um, I, I think the Vita version is actually pretty good. But the I Vita do, version is good. You. But you know what, the Switch version is actually really good too. Um, although this this might be a drawback for some people, it's uh, I'm pretty sure it's locked at 70 frame or uh, 720p. Um, 
I think both on and off the dock, but it is it con- it does run at a, at a pretty stable sixty FPS, like almost all the both on and off dock. So it's always it's like bad. so it looks really good when it's in movement, and like because the the graphics are like fairly simplistic, although like not like you know lacking in detail and color and stuff. Um, the 720p resolution doesn't really detract from it; like it doesn't really take away all that much. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so I would I would argue it looks, you know, even though it even though you know from a technological standpoint it doesn't, I would argue that it looks just as good. Um, yeah, so like there there's definitely that, and uh, it's it's but my whole thing too about owning it on a Switch versus owning it on a Vita is that like I mean a are Vitas even where can you even get one like you can't buy I've never, Vita. I've never seen one in a can. store. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's also like the the like Nintendo just embodies creativity. Mm. Like you know, you don't need to look any further than the Labo just to see that like like this is a company that just that like it is creativity personified. So the more games that you can have on this system that encourage you know, building stuff and letting your imagination kind of go and and also attaching a little like, you know, rudimentary combat quest system to it. So there's actually some structure to it. Um, I say the better. And it's like it's it's just more reason to to keep supporting the switch as a console. Awesome. I think we'll wrap up there, though. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can find more about the things we talked about on CG Mag online. Like and subscribe to our podcast on the Buns Podcast Network, iTunes, and all anywhere your favorite podcasts are downloaded. You can follow us on Facebook at CG Magazine. You can follow us on Instagram at CG Mag Online, and you can follow us on Twitter at CG Mag Online. Uh, Phil, do you have a Twitter? I do at that Phil Brown. Uh, Jordan, do you have a Twitter? I do. It's Ninja Jordan underscore. And you can follow me at bfry26. Uh, Thank you all for listening and uh, stay tuned for next week. Bye.